We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We are live just shortly after Brandon Staley had his introductory press conference uh, and super excited to, you know, have this next era of Chargers football go forward under Brandon Staley's watch. Uh, joining me as always are Tyler and Alex. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, heartbreaking news for you guys. I will not have to take a shit at the link. Uh, that was, you know, something that people thought that I, I thought I might have to do, but I, I will not have to do it. Yeah, you know, for those who don't know, the Eagles did not hire Josh McDaniels. Uh, I think when I saw that notice, I'm pretty sure I could hear the the sigh of relief <laughs> coming from Alex's mouth all the way from here. Uh, Tyler, how are you doing today, dude? You know, after that introductory press conference, I'm ready to go take this podcast head on and I'll beat it with a crowbar, take its <laughs> kneecaps out, you know, rip its spine out, bite its ear off. I'm ready. I think I'm, I think I'm good to go. I think I'm good, good to go too, man. You know, I, a lot of people were raving about Dan Campbell's press conference, man. That, that was honestly like, go get your mental health checked out. Like <laughs> go get checked for CTE because that was honestly like a little haunting <laughs> uh brandon Staley's press conference to me was much more inspiring much and mm -hmm. much more motivating than that one is but yes uh maybe that's just me so we are going to talk about you know all the major takeaways from brandon Staley's press conference as well you know we're going to get to the retirement of philip rivers at the end 
Uh, so really, it's just been a, a crazy couple of days for mm-hmm. Chargers fans, and we're going to get to all of it right now. So before we get to everything football-related, I think for me, Brandon Staley is just a very special human being. And, and what him and his family have gone through with cancer, and he's he's a cancer survivor. His mom died of cancer. His dad's beaten cancer twice. Uh, and, and just like all the little things, like you know, repeating the reporters' names and, and giving a special shout-out to Shelly Smith and and yeah. the way that he talked about his family and how he said that he was a you know he comes from the coaching tree of his parents first and foremost and i think you know beyond the x's and o's and he's got a brilliant football mind from from all accounts but you know the major takeaway for me is just that you know the charters have been really lucky in the human department for their head coaches the last two guys and i'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing what brandon staley brings to this team obviously as a coach but more so as a human being yeah, for me, it's it's just very easy to see why the Chargers were blown away by Brandon Staley, you know. And like you pointed out, I think there's no there's no moment that highlights that, you know, what's so impressive about him more than him, you know, when he was asked about his cancer. And he turns to Shelly, like, on cue, turns to Shelly Smith, an ESPN reporter, a cancer survivor, you know, says, hi, you know, Shelly Smith and, and blows her a kiss. And, you know, he just remembers people. You can tell through the whole conference. He's cycling through everyone he's ever met. You know, he cares about these people. He has a big heart. You know, the question about his, you know, his cancer and what he's learned, it could have been all about him, but he took the time to, you know, call out someone by name and acknowledge someone who didn't even talk yet to the very end of the press conference. You know, then you hear him talk about, you know, his tight end back in high school and his dad. And I did this newspaper that one time and meeting John Gruden, texting Philip Rivers, you know, all these players that he's worked with. Um, the, the reporter that covered him at Dayton, he remembers. Yeah. You know, and then to talk, you know, to talk to each of the media members and say, oh, you know, Stephen, that's a great question. Alex, you know, I really like your ideas or whatever, you know, always repeating their name and taking the time to, you know, take each question very seriously. And he just seems to really enjoy these quality moments, you know, these really small moments with everyone. So, you know, we'll, we'll get into the football stuff, but just as a, as a person already, like you said, you know, going from Lynn to Staley, like the Chargers are in good hands as terms, in terms of the character department. Yeah, um, I mean, I think he's a great guy, and obviously he has a lot of patience. He went through everyone's questions kind of respectfully and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. If I was a coach, I would not be able to answer the 10th question about John Carroll University uh, <laughs> personally. But, you know, I yeah, that moment with Shelly Smith was really cool. Um, I, I You know, and he keeps mentioning the players that have made him, like Khalil Mack and Von Miller. Uh, I, I thought that was just, you know, you know, he keeps talking about, you know, you learn from the players more than they learn from you. And I think that that's a really uh, great scheme fit for what the Chargers kind of have uh, with a lot of talented guys that Brandon Staley will have to learn how to use. And I'm sure he'll use them quite well. Yeah, you know, in terms of the football ability, everything that we heard from other people is that he has the kind of football mind to be able to scheme around his players. And, you know, I I think there was a lot of skepticism nationally about, you know, the Chargers hiring a defensive minded head coach because they have Justin Herbert. And, you know, he said it. I do consider myself an offensive minded head coach. I consider myself first and foremost, you know, an offensive forward thinking type of person. And I think, you know, the way that he talked about his plans for Justin Herbert, I think that was my main football takeaway outside of him being a, a stellar person. But you know, he said that he didn't he doesn't want to uh, impose a system on Justin Herbert. He wants to be able to take Justin Herbert, build around his strengths, build around what he does well, and then push him to 
you know, areas where he hasn't been. And, you know, he mentioned the, the fact that he can't wait to share his defensive knowledge with Justin and be able to give him that dual education, which really like that was my biggest knock about Justin Herbert was his just mental ability to process reads on the field. And now he's going to have a defensive minded head coach slash offensive minded head coach who can say like, listen, Justin, like if I'm, if I were defending you, this is what I would do. And these are the things that I would do and disguise coverages this way. And Justin is going to be a much better mental quarterback because of having Brandon Staley as his head coach. Yeah. And I think, you know, Brandon Staley kind of kept hammering home, you know, Justin Herbert, right. uh, Didn't have really much of a training camp last year. It was obviously pandemic and most of it was on zoom calls and what you can remember from them didn't get any reps until he was really thrown into the action uh, uh, in the Tyra Taylor game. So I, uh, I, you know, I thought that, you know, giving him that dual education in the year where uh, hopefully we have a kind of full training camp, I think that that's a really great idea and it could really take Justin Herbert uh, to that next level. Uh, So I'm really excited to see what he can bring from him uh, to him as a quarterback who, I uh, was trying to read the defense uh, from that mentality. It, I think it's wonderful. Anytime you can take a group of players and understand what they're good at and maybe what they're not good at and just maximize them, put them in the best position to succeed. That's wonderful. I kind of think every coach says that when they first take the job, like even Gus Bradley was like, oh, I'm going to take these guys and make them the best ever. And we yeah. know that's horse <laughs> shit, but you know, <laughs> but I, I kind of actually believe this guy because you watch, you know, Steven pointed out in his great breakdown, all the things that Staley was able to do on defense and just putting these guys you know, getting Aaron Donald one-on-one matchups. It shouldn't happen. Every team should have three guys on Aaron Donald. Yet Staley finds a way to get this guy with one-on-ones. Yeah. You know, so I just really like that. And then as far as the offensive plan goes, I don't. I came into this conference late, so I don't know if this is already answered, but I think it was John Spanis who answered that or, or mentioned that no matter what happens, no matter what offensive coordinator they bring in, some will be better than others, sure. But they're always going to have Staley's vision. You know, whoever comes yeah. and goes, it doesn't really matter that much. Because it's Staley's offense, kind of, which is really interesting. And I don't know if he, if John Spanos had read some, you know, questions about Staley that the media members were having that we had, um, but he clearly answered it there. You know, whether whoever they hire, you know, we still have no idea who the offensive coordinator is going to be, but whoever they bring in, even if he's hired as a head coach in two, three years or whatever, it's Staley's vision the whole way. It's going to be what? You, no, it wasn't tunnel vision. What was the word? Singular. It was a um, vertical vision. Vertical vision. Yeah, just it's one vision to that the entire team. And I love that. And I can't wait to see, you know, what that means for this team. Yeah. And I yeah, think that's I, a, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. Uh, just, if the worst problem this team has in two years is that uh, people really want our defensive and offensive coordinators, that's a great problem. To yeah. Have. <laughs> uh, because we've been having way more problems in the last couple of years. So uh, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. I think that's, you know, really well said because, you know, we look at what happens, you know, with, you know, the, the 49ers, you know, losing offensive coaches. Well, it's because their offense is really freaking good. So, you know, I think that's spot on, Alex. And, you know, I, I in terms of the vertical alignment, I think that's an area of growth for the Spanos family and Tom Telesco because, absolutely, you know, we look at Ken Wisenhunt was basically forced to stay on the staff be- when Anthony Lynn was hired. And, and, you know, there is reported some friction was always happening there. And, you know, some of the some of the stubbornness was Anthony Lynn's fault, like keeping George Stewart on staff for way too long. But, you know, I, I think having this kind of forward thinking coach who's able to always learn and adapt. And that's kind of what we've seen from him 
in other places. I think that's going to help out in the staff. Uh, and obviously, you know, we've, we've seen some reports about the coaches that are going to come in. Um, nothing's been confirmed. And he seemed to say today, like, we're still in the process. It's still an ongoing process. They're going to be thorough and, and they should be thorough in this kind of process. But, um, you know, it, it seems right now, seems like right now, the coaching staff and specifically the offensive staff is still up in the air. Uh, yeah, I mean, they wanted to interview Kevin O'Connell. Obviously, we know that got shot down uh, by the Rams, which yeah. didn't totally understand because it's like, I mean, it's not a promotion, but it is a promotion because, you know, you're promoting someone who doesn't have offensive play calling duties to someone who does, right? Um, so, you know, but it's technically in their right. So I, I understand that. But, that, you know, we'll see what they do with the offensive coordinators. We haven't really heard any names, um, and we haven't really heard that Steichen and Pepper necessarily out. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Obviously, with the defense, we've heard of Hill uh, from the Broncos, and we've heard of uh, a Gannon from the Colts. And Gannon is kind of one of uh, the people who recommended Staley right to uh, John Carroll to be the defensive coordinator there, I think. Yeah. So that's uh, that would be an interesting hire for a defensive coordinator. I didn't expect the John Carroll connection to be so strong with Staley. Like I get like, you want to meet with guys who, you know, but like, it seems like every guy went to freaking John Carroll and there's something about John Carroll. It's like, Oh my God, like you went for the, we went for the Broncos, you know, the bears, the, the Rams, like John Carroll. Anyway, um, you know, as far as the offensive coordinator goes, I think it's, I think it's kind of silly that the, that McVay blocked O'Connell from going to yeah. the, the chargers because it's very different for an obvious reason than the enemy, but you know, the guy is going to always be, have the issue of not being the guy who calls plays. So at some point, you know, what is he going to do? Is he always going to be blocked? Does he have to just make that jump from guy who doesn't call plays to head coach like the enemy's trying to make? So that's that's kind of rough. As far as – so I don't know who's going to put an offensive coordinator. People have suggested Sykin. At this point, you know, the whole report from Lombardi that, oh, the Chargers are going to force their offensive staff on the – I didn't really say that, but basically it suggested the Chargers are going to, to force their offensive staff on the new head coach. I don't really buy that so far. It seems like Staley is going to be able to bring in his own guys. I know that the the big question, the big offensive coordinator question hasn't been answered yet. Um, If he wants Steichen, he wants Steichen. That's fine, I guess. Um, But so far it just seems like he's bringing in guys who you can tell by the Twitter responses of other fans. If not, if nothing else that they're getting a lot of really good guys, that guys, um, I can't remember which one it is, but one of them was also like an offensive minded guy who coaches defense and so it's just really so interesting that he's bringing in these unique, talented, specific guys um, and some for positions that we're not used to uh, or not hearing about, at least with the Anthony Lindstaff, a run game coordinator, a defensive passing game coordinator. Um, we don't know what Tom Arth is going to be, but maybe some sort of like game management, quality control. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but just so interesting to hear, have, to hear Staley talk about, you know, self-assess. What are you good at? What are you not good at? And, you know, it's, and Staley knows that, you know, he's, you know, better at maybe uh, linebackers and, and DB. So you bring in a guy, I can't believe they're getting Jay Rogers without a promotion, uh, but bringing a guy who's a, you know, a reputable defensive line coach to help, you know, supplement what he really maybe isn't as good at, um, even though I think, you know, Staley's a good coach overall. Um, so whoever this offensive coordinator brings in, whoever he brings in, I'm actually confident at this point, even if it is Steichen, that he has a really good plan for this, uh, for this offensive for Justin Herbert. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we saw pretty clearly today that he he knows what he wants and he knows what he's mm-hmm. looking for. 
Um, and it's just, you know, refreshing to see someone so young have these all have all these great ideas. I thought it was hilarious when he was like casually, you know, yeah, me and Phil Rivers, we're the same age. And <laughs> just really kind of mind blowing shows the the transition phase that the Chargers are in for. Um, in terms of assistant coaches, really the only one that is established, like we know for sure is happening. Uh, Joe Barry is coming over to coach the linebackers and be the defensive passing game coordinator. Obviously, you have to give him a little bit of a promotion there because that's what he was doing in for the Rams. Uh, and then Tyler mentioned Jay Rogers from Chicago. He was considered an internal defensive coordinator candidate for the Bears. So I think, you know, worst case scenario there is that they keep him in the same position at defensive line. He's the one who uh, was also a former quarterback. Um, but, you know, if, if they want him to be the defensive coordinator, I think that's a natural progression for him. And, you know, uh, St- uh, Brandon Staley did confirm today that he's going to call plays. So, you know, getting a defensive coordinator is important, um, but it's not as important, in my opinion, as getting the offensive coordinator position right. Yeah, I mean, I think the offensive coordinator position will be huge um, just because that's the person who is going to be working a lot with Justin Herbert and, and building this scheme around him, right? You know, we kept talking about uh, – you know, in Buffalo, there's uh, sort of Sean McDermott, who's the uh, defensive minded head coach there. And then you have Brian Dable, who's the offensive coordinator, who's worked with Allen all these years. Right. So I think they kind of want to set that same situation up for Herbert, obviously, with the dynamic that uh, Staley will be helping Herbert with whatever he can provide as a former quarterback. Right. So um, there are interesting names. Um not many that come to mind outside of the ones we already know with Steichen and Pep. I, at least I haven't seen any others reported other than the rejected O'Connell interview. Yeah. Um, but I, I think they want to go with someone who maybe just kind of runs a similar scheme uh, and incorporates some of what the Rams did, uh, obviously with McVay, and just tries to build the best offense around Herbert that they can. I feel like at this point, most – we kind of have an understanding of who they're going to hire on defense – so one of the things that he was asked and one of the things that Staley responded with is that he might, he might, I don't know if it's just him keeping his options open or not playing his hand, but he talked about bringing in someone who may or may not have already been the head coach yeah. or have a lot of experience. I'd imagine if you're bringing in a former head coach kind of guy, that is, it's going to be as your offensive coordinator. So who, who's on the market right now? I can't even think, I mean, Kubiak just retired and, and it's not Lynn. So I don't know who, who would it be? I mean, Hugh Jackson has been getting some interviews lately. I don't, think that there would be any kind of connection there um and then the other one is uh jason garrett Yay. I'm, i don't think that's gonna happen well, i but... mean the, i guess the other one the other idea is like doug peterson but he said he's yeah. taking a year off because the eagles uh, killed him so <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it's gonna be him but you, you never know um i don't know if also strictly go with someone who was a former head coach, but yeah, you may go with someone who was a long time offensive coordinator uh, for that, that too. Job, for sure. Yeah. You know, and I think we have no idea what Staley is going to run specifically on offense because, you know, he's a defensive coordinator, like we don't know, but I think him wanting to hire or at least interview Kevin O'Connell um, and, you know, rumored to be hiring his old head coach. Is it Tom Arth from, uh, from Akron? And so, you know, Jason, one of the reporters, uh, Jason Hershorn, I think is how you say it. Um, he shared this article that 
you know, while Tom Arth does not run specifically the Kyle Shanahan offense, there are a lot of Kyle Shanahan elements in his offense. And and obviously, you know, Kevin O'Connell has been running the Shanahan slash McVay system in the NFL. So it, it seems like all signs are pointing towards uh, Staley wanting to get some kind of variation of the Shanahan offense. And, you know, Shane Steichen, I, I, he has some roots in that as well. And they dabbled in that kind of system this year with a, with a little bit of the outside zone runs and the RPOs and things like that. But it was it was like minor dabbling. Like, <laughs> you know, we went four or five games with seeing one bootleg call. So, you know, I think Shane Steichen could still stay on as the offensive coordinator. Um, I, I would be fine with that, especially if he has, you know, Justin Herbert reportedly loves him. Um, I, I'm totally on board with Pep Hamilton staying on as the quarterback's coach. Uh, but his roots are in power football, like I formation, double tight, like old school football. And so to me, I, I think Shane Steichen would be the more likely of the two to stick on and be offensive coordinator. But, you know, if, if Staley is calling plays on defense, then they really need someone on offense that has, you know, a good command of the huddle. And like he said, uh, character and uh, what was the other one? Uh, capacity. Like he, they need someone on offense that really has like a good presence about them and good leadership. And I don't know if that's that sounds like Steichen. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound like Shane Steichen to me. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I, that's a good fallback plan. Um, Steichen sure. has been linked to other jobs as well. And so has Pep Hamilton. Um but Staley didn't commit to keeping any of them. So we'll see. I think we're going to get a clean house and, and that's evidenced by James Campen being let go as well. Um, so I, I think we're going to be getting a new offensive coordinator for the Chargers. Yeah, I think the Campen thing that happened a couple of days ago, uh, him not coming back, you know, when he's kind of one of those premier uh, offensive line coaches, you know, if they're not bringing him back after one season. You know, why would you bring Steichen back after one or Pep back after one? Um, the, the only explanation I can see is they want some continuity with Herbert, but yeah, I honestly think there are just other ways to, to make Herbert happy than just like keep the same guys. Yeah. Around, right? And if you, right. If you wanted to continue Herbert's success, then in a way you should have kept Lynn. Right. So, but you know, that's obviously not what they want to do. Right. They want to change the offense. Right. So it's not just about keeping the same guys. Right. It's just about uh, developing. Right. You don't need to keep the same guys for someone to be good. Okay, first of all, having an Art Arth Smith, no, Tom Arth, an Arthur Smith, and a Frank Smith all be connected to the Chargers this offseason has <laughs> been ridiculous. I can't remember anybody's names. Also, Justin Herbert is so good that his former head coach got fired, and then his quarterbacks coach and his offensive coordinator are all going to be able for, to get jobs or potentially look for jobs somewhere yeah. Yeah. Um, as an offensive coordinator. I can't believe all three guys are jockeying for like the same jobs. Um, yeah. Look. I don't believe in Shane Steichen based on what I saw last year. I think the three of us did. I think weeks one through, I don't know, six or whatever, seven, whatever the Jags game was, we're like, okay, a little bit of a progress here. That looks nice. Okay, doing some different things. Um, but since ever since uh, the Miami game, yep. it's just all downhill from there. So, you know, can he grow? Sure. Can he do better with a better vision, you know, from the head coach? Sure. Can he do better with a better offensive line? Sure. Can he do better with a full offseason? Yeah. So, while I don't really buy into him, I could see why they would make that work. I just don't know. I just don't know. I really don't know. Whatever Lynn wanted, I just even I didn't even think he could execute Lynn's basic vision 
of a running offense. I just didn't even think that was up to par. So why could he execute something that's supposed to be analytics driven, you know, cutting edge, intelligent as I just, I don't know. Uh, uh, prove me wrong, I guess. Yeah, that's the other thing, you know, in terms of offense, you know, he talked about analytics quite a bit and, and he said that he wants to grow that analytics department for the Chargers. Um, Daniel Popper pointed out that he watches some MIT summit about analytics and, and you know, he feels like oh, he, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't really know much about that, man, but, you know, I'm all about analytics having a, a bigger role. It didn't really seem like that was, I think they hired one person under Anthony Lynn that was analytics driven. So, you know, I think most of the better offenses in the league right now at least have an like a full staffed analytics department and that really, you know, affects game time decisions. Uh, So, you know, we're talking about innovation, and I think that's another thing that Staley is going to bring to the table. Yeah, uh, the the MIT uh, sports loan conference is like a thing for nerds, uh, which means I watch it uh, sometimes. So, uh, you know, I mean, this, the superstar of that whole thing is, you know, Sam Hinkie, who does it every year. Uh, the former GM of the Sixers who did the, you know, the whole process thing. But, okay. um, you know, so it's, it's a lot of like the people in sports who are kind of um, analytical or, or go about things different ways. But I, um, yeah, I mean... I think analytics is good. You know, you don't want to overuse analytics where, I mean, we've seen coaches uh, overuse analytics and let it make their decisions for them. I don't think you want to go that far, but using player information and player data, you know, based on, you know, situational football, like I think that's super important and it's kind of not embarrassing, but I I guess a bit of a fault of the previous uh, coaching administration that it wasn't used, I guess. I mean, I can't even write an article without using analytics and these guys are trying to play football and coach football without any analytics. It's kind of kind of ridiculous. So, yeah, the previous regime not having much to do with that is just so archaic and so backwards thinking. So to have a guy who's got this plan, this vision, analytics driven, that's pretty cool. I'm excited. It is pretty cool. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes for this team going forward. And, you know, Staley, I didn't know this, but Staley was also a special teams coach in a previous stop somewhere along the road. He was. So, you know, I'm really excited about this and and let's shift towards the defensive thing. So I'm so excited. Like I I did that film breakdown and I cannot wait to see what he's going to do with Joey Bosa. You know, there was this uh, graphic that came out the other day of like pass production or pass rush production, excuse me, and versus double teams. And, you know, Joey Bosa was like the second most double teamed edge rusher in the league. And that's because. Gus Bradley never blitz. He only would bring four. He would stick Joey Bosa on the right side of the defense and say, go get the quarterback. And like, you know, you watch anyone who watches the Rams defense from last year, you'll see immediately that Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, even Morgan Fox, like they're all moving around the field constantly. And there's always a strong emphasis of, you know, getting one-on-one matchups. And that's so crucial for pass rush production. And (laughs) You know, that's the thing. Like, it's going to be so different to watch Joey Bosa move around and rush the passer from the inside and rush the passer from the left on the right and and do all these different kinds of things. And so I'm just really excited to see what he can do overall with defense. But specifically, I think Joey Bosa, like, realistically could have 15, 16 sacks next year and be the defensive player of the year because Brandon Say is going to move him around all over the place. He's, he's not going to let Joey Bosa be the second most double-teamed pass rusher in the league again. Uh, and so I think for me, that's that's something that Chargers fans should be, you know, extra excited about. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with 
his basic defensive philosophy. You know, a lot of people made a big deal about, you know, three, four versus four, three, you know, what, what does that mean? But I don't think it's really a big deal. I think it's clear that he's going to run three, four, but it's not going to base three, four, and it's going to be doing a lot of these different things. You know, the names he kept saying in his press conference were Bosa, Murray, and James, right? I mean, those are the three guys that I think he views at all three levels of the defense uh, to basically be like, all right, you know, uh, we are going to put the best around you there to make you succeed, right? Because he realizes you know, those are, those are really the three quarterbacks, I guess, of each level. So uh, I, I think that that's just what they're uh, going to do. Uh, I'm curious to see what he does uh, specifically with Murray um, because they can kind of rotate between him with outside and inside uh, linebacker. So we'll see if that happens. We obviously want to see uh, Kenneth Murray in more pass rush situations. And then, uh, you know, he also mentioned Nasir Adderley a lot. Uh, so if you have Nasir Adderley kind of playing, deep safety as opposed to kind of what he was doing last year where it just seemed like he was kind of disorganized in the Lynn Bradley scheme. Uh, You know, I'm happy to see if we can, you know, finally unlock Adderley. Mm. I I see it. (laughs) But, you know, he's got some good uh, potential DB coaches coming to be his defensive coordinator. So, you know, who knows? We can talk about those in a little bit. I I can't wait to see what he does with German James. I know it's just like that's the easiest, dumbest thing I could say, but yeah, even German James on Twitter, like, oh man, I, I want to get to work. Like, I want to go do something right now, and I just can't. Bradley had the pieces. If when this draft was over and free agency was over, Bradley had the pieces to make this incredible, innovative, transformative defense. And you know, I feel bad for him. They never really got the chance to do that. What I think he would anyway, if they're all healthy. I don't know, but you know, Staley's the guy. And you know, I was concerned about the whole three four four three thing too. And everyone, everyone pulls that Joey Bosa quote, like, oh, "I don't want to put him in the three four. you know. But then you watch the film, and Stephen did a, again a, a great breakdown. You know, Staley will line up a guy on the sideline if that means getting to the quarterback <laughs> is easier. Like he doesn't care. Right. You know, he's going to make it work for whatever. And if you watch, you know, down for down for down. I even just watched like the Cardinals game, for example, the last game of the season. I tried, I butchered a tweet on this, so I, I deleted it all. But I tried to take a screenshot of every third down play. Um, and every time the defense was different. And just so that, and with the chess pieces that they have, if they're healthy, and I hope they're healthy, they should maybe be healthy. Um, it's going to be something different. And so we're, I don't know, we're in for a treat. We are. And, you know, the three, four thing, like, I think that would be a much bigger discussion, you know, 10 years ago when people were not playing nickel cornerbacks, they were not playing dime package all that often. And, you know, this has become such a passing league now. And, you know, if you, I mean, I, I try to do this sometimes, but you know, if you go through and watch Rams tape and if they have 60 defensive plays, they're probably in their base three, four set, like six or seven plays. Like it honestly is almost purely nickel and dime packages. And some of that was, was sure was, was personnel because the strength of the Rams team was clearly the secondary, clearly the safeties. And they would try to get all of them out there as much as possible. But, you know, I think they will get at least one like typical outside linebacker type, whether that's a Chenna Unwosu or maybe Leonard Floyd, you know, via free agency or someone in the draft. I think they'll have at least, you know, one or two typical three, four outside linebacker types, but you know, Brandon Staley is not going to put Joey Bosa in a three, four base set. If Joey Bosa doesn't want to be in the base three, four set, like, I mean, he said that as much, you know, he, he mentioned the word collaboration about 17 times today. So, you know, these players are going to be involved but Brandon Staley really his whole thing about defense is mixing up fronts, 
mixing up coverages. And like you said several times, like putting players what they're most comfortable with and, and how he uses Derwin James versus Jalen Ramsey is going to be really freaking exciting. Um, but I think the like the three four versus four three was kind of just you know an overreaction by people who haven't watched the film. Yeah, um, I'm I'm curious to see just what he does with all these guys, as, as we keep saying, and maybe how that changes for agent priorities, draft priorities. Um, obviously, we're not going to know specifics about that for a long time. Yeah, um, but I, I, w- I want to see the players that you know he wants to acquire the players that he feels maybe don't fit the scheme. Um, obviously, you know, this team will have a decision to make on Melvin Ingram uh, one way or the other, but yep. it's feeling like the more we hear about it and, you know, the more that you think that that outside linebacker will have to play coverage sometimes, you know, it just doesn't feel like that's what Melvin Ingram uh, really does. So, you know, we'll see what kind of decisions they make and I'm sure they'll, I'll be based on kind of a, a scheme that really fits itself uh, together. All right, guys, any other thoughts from Brandon Staley's press conference before we get to uh, Phil Rivers' retirement? I just like the idea that he says he's going to put some stress on the offense, not just a guy who's going to, you know, let the defense figure it out, you know, have a plan, yeah. pre-snap, and then figure it out, hopefully it works. And he's going to put stress on the offense. So I really like that. Yeah, um, I, I liked him as a person. You know, I certainly liked him as a hire and the way to go with kind of defense and offense at the same time. Uh, at the same time, you know, I hope to hear capacity and resources and all these coaching buzzwords a little bit less. Um, you know, it was a bit much for two hours. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think he's a good coach. And uh, maybe we can uh, spice up the questions that reporters ask to not ask the same three things every time. But it was what it is. Hey man, like I, I, you know, we, all three of us have written about the chargers and you know, obviously we do the podcast. So like, I, I get it, but you know, some of these questions, I just felt like they were asking the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And, uh, you could ask about his dead mother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, gosh. I was like, popper, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> That's a tough one. All right. That was a tough one. And there was that one guy, I can't remember his name, but he asked the question about the combine and you, you couldn't even tell what he was saying, but. Anyways, so I'm really excited about Brandon Staley, man. I, I think that, you know, the past few years, the Chargers just like schematically have been so simple. And like, sure, there are obviously some advantages to that in terms of teaching younger players. But, you know, the X's and O's of this team are going to be so much more complex and it's going to be such an improvement. Uh, and I just can't wait to see what happens. And, you know, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. You know, we've been getting really excited about these little hires, you know, like Rick Smith being the run game coordinator. And so I, I can't wait to see what he actually does do at his two coordinator spots and you know the special teams coordinator spot is going to be huge hiring as well so we'll definitely keep you guys posted there all right let's shift gears to philip rivers man and i think yesterday it was it was fun and and also sad to like reminisce on on philip rivers time with the chargers and 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 i loved you know his thing (laughs) in his his uh in his statement when he was like shoot you know i was right about the referees like you know it's just it was a classic Phil moment, and I love the fact that he gave his retirement statement to a local reporter down in San Diego, and it just really shows who Phil Rivers was. I wish him nothing but the best. I know he's going to be a fantastic high school coach, uh, and you know I'm just I'm going to miss him. I'm, it's not going to be the same kind of thing watching the NFL without Philip Rivers, and uh, grateful to be a fan of a, a team that had him at the quarterback for 16 seasons. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing that I really liked about this season, uh, what we saw from Philip Rivers is just that he got to kind of go out on top. Right. Um, last year, it was sort of like, you know, he threw 20 picks and a lot of us were like, hey, you know, is this guy toast? But, you yeah. know, he got to work with Marcus Brady and he got to work with the Colts. And, you know, a lot of the people he's familiar with, like uh, Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich, obviously. So um, it was just nice to see him, you know, obviously even win the Super Bowl, but it was nice to see him have a really good year where he brought the Colts to the playoffs. Um, that was just super fun uh, to see. But um, yeah, I'm going to miss Phil. Uh, I mean, I kind of got most of my emotions out last year when he left the Chargers. But, you know, just not not being able to hear another mic'd up of him trash talking, um, you know, the other team and screaming 90-yard touchdown and Yannick Ngakwe's <laughs> ear. You know, all those kind of moments, uh, you know, I, I will miss those. Um, but I'm sure he'll bring some of that same intensity uh, to coaching high school football. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, for a lot of people, like Philip Rivers was the quarterbacks, you know, since they were, you know, kids. And yeah. that, that yep. was the case for, for a lot of us, you know. So um, it's just kind of probably going to see him go. Um, but the thing I was encouraged about is I, I feel like there were actually fewer Hall of Fame debates this time. It seemed like everyone mm. just kind of agreed that he was a Hall of Famer now. Yeah. Uh, even though he, you know, there was a lot of that, you know, the only person I really saw against it was Skip Bayless and no one gives a shit what that Indian says. <laughs> um, so, um, no, it was just nice to see him going out on top. Now he gets to spend time with his <laughs> nine kids. Uh, he gets to settle down and finally start a family. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it was just fun to see him, uh, kind of go out on top, as I said, and, um, yeah, I'll miss him in the league, but, you know, I, I think it was time to, time to go. Um, he could have played another year, but I think he just knew, you know, that there was, there was nothing, uh, I guess more to accomplish, I guess. That Philip Rivers press release was so Philip Rivers with the dead gummits and the whatevers and the way you could just hear him talking the fact that like even like the spacing was off sometimes like it was like a messy like he was like drunk and like typed it out and it's just so <laughs> but it was so philip rivers just like so kind of rough around the edges but you get it yeah. um as far as the hall of fame debate goes i think he's a hall of famer i think it's going to be tough if breeze and maybe even roethlisberger retire this offseason the same time as him i think that'll make it pretty tough um yeah but he deserves to be in the hall of fame for sure non-biased um opinion there so, you know, congratulations to the most fertile, horny Catholic, <laughs> non-swearing, shit-talker, you know, sidearm-throwing, like, baby giraffe duck waddling, you know, toughest, tough as nails but hard of gold, you know, quarterback um, that I've ever seen. There's nobody like him. You know, every yeah. – we all had somebody growing up. For many of us, it was, you know, like Kobe Bryant, for example. But, you know, for those of us who are short and couldn't play basketball – well, we were at least short and played football and we admired, you know, I admired Philip Rivers quite a bit. Um, you know, I didn't start liking the game because of him, but I certainly fell in love with it because of him. You know, I, I let him give my, you know, my eulogy at my funeral. You, know, you, just, you just love the guy so much. And you want to hear him speak. Um, at the end of the day, I think Philip Rivers sums himself up best in his post-game press conference from 2013 against the Broncos where he just says he just really likes to play football. And yeah. that's what was Philip Rivers was, you know, I loved watching him play football he was incredible. So, you know, happy trails to, to you, Philip. Thank you for watching, of course. Um, <laughs> he's a Hall of Famer in my book. So, love you, 17.
Yeah, thanks for following us on Twitter and liking the tweet <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, all that good stuff. <laughs> no, I, you know, I I went to a, my first Chargers game during Drew Brees' last year, and so that season was obviously kind of a mess. But um, you know, then they transitioned to Philip Rivers like the next season, and and like you know, very similar to Tyler, like that's really what you know made me fall in love with the Chargers is just watching this fiery quarterback just march up and down the field and, and play with all these emotions, and then you learn that he's never cussed in his life. And, you know, LT was on NFL network and they were like, no, really like he's cussed before. Right. And he's like, no, like we've all tried to get him to cuss and he never has cussed in his entire life. And yep. like, it's just so funny to me that someone, you know, who's played quarterback in the NFL for 17 years has never cussed in his entire life because like, I mean, you, you grew up playing high school football and, and, you know, obviously things have changed now, but you know, my, the F word was like a constant thing from all of my football coaches. And like, you know, cussing was like a part of football. And so it just kind of adds to who he is as a player. And, you know, the mic'd ups were legendary. And, you know, Tyler said the same thing, like 2018 for me was like the most fun season of Chargers football that I've watched from afar, obviously. And it just kind of ended on that high note. Baltimore gets that first down and, Clearly in year seven, in year 15, he's just not super athletic. And then, you know, the, the double, and then he points for the first down and oh man, (laughs) (laughs) the Keenan Allen sound effect. I love it. Um, But man, Phillip Rivers, he's just someone that I'll, I'll always love and respect. And I love the way that he played the game and, you know, sure. He hasn't won a super bowl, but you know, the numbers are the numbers, man. And, And when you're passing Dan Marino and all those guys, you know, I think that makes you a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Yeah, um, and there are a lot of quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls that I don't like. You know, Tom Brady is an unlikable idiot, so uh, <laughs> I'll take Philip Rivers still over Tom Brady to my grave any day. Um, you know, my first Chargers game that I got to go to was like uh, four years ago, and I saw the Chargers uh, play the Giants, and you know, I'll just kind of have those memories of him being, of course, four and zero against Eli, uh, which is <laughs> a fun. Yes. And, um, you know, that was the game where it was like, oh, the Chargers kind of going to get it started. And then, you know, he had a nice fourth quarter comeback uh, win there, uh, you know, dimed to Hunter Henry in the back of the end zone. Uh, so they're just, you know, cool moments. Uh, you know, uh, everyone probably has their uh, first Chargers game moment. And a lot of it, you know, for a lot of us, it's going to be Philip Rivers was our first you know, Chargers game because you know, he never, never missed a game. Uh, you know, and that Iron Man streak will uh, live in history. What an Iron Man! I mean, even this season, we saw maybe twice where Justin Herbert might have not have gotten up off the field, especially like his first game. He goes down, I'm like, oh, we're gonna watch Easton Stick go in. Yeah, like Carolina game. Yeah. <laughs> like, you gotta be kidding me! You know, we take for granted that Rivers just did that every single time, rib injection after rib injection, or you know, back, you know, herniated disc or whatever was wrong with him. And he just kept playing. Um, yeah, no, he was he was there for every game that I was at. You know, I mostly started just watching my dad and I would just go to Raiders Chargers games. So it was fun to watch him just cut up the Raiders every single time and we would win every single time. That was that was pretty nice. I liked all that. Um, <laughs> Rivers was a guy. So I was at uh, StubHub one time very when they first well, when they called it StubHub. And when they were first um, had the team there in 2017 and, you know, it's awesome. You get to sit there and you're, you lean over the fence. I don't know if you guys have been, um, but you're right there with the players. Like I could have, it's like you could hop it. Um, And wherever we were sitting, we were right behind the field goal post and everyone was over. All the fans are 
somewhere else and all the players were somewhere else and we couldn't get over there. We had to stay like in our section and some of an Ingram and Denzel Perryman, Joey Bosa, you know, all these guys are doing autographs. I'm like, Oh, this kind of sucks. And this is random ass dude in a ball cat walks up. I'm like, Oh, it's Philip rivers. And you know, <laughs> and he's, he's right there. And you know, I'm not really usually short for words. Um, I just like handed him my cap and he signed it and he handed it back to me. And I didn't say a word. I was damn awestruck and like starstruck by this guy, but just like, it just, just, I don't know. It was just so cool to see this guy who you admire so much. He's a freaking superstar who just like shows up in his like t-shirt ball cap. Yeah. He's just kind of hanging out with everybody. And I don't know, just the guy, the guy is something special for sure. I love Justin Herbert. I don't love him. I like Justin Herbert a lot, um, but there's nobody off the field quite like Philip Rivers. There really isn't. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get there with, with Justin. And once Justin opens up a little bit more, but you know, Philip Rivers just, such an infectious, yeah. infectious personality on and off the field. And I loved JJ Watts tweet about it yesterday when he was like, yeah, I'll never forget lining up against Philip Rivers. And he called out my linebacker for lining up in the wrong way and blitzing in the wrong gap. Like, you know, Philip Rivers just, you know, everybody talks about like Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady and their like command of the game and command of the huddle. But, you know, Philip Rivers does the same things. And I think, you know, the stories of him driving up to from San Diego to Los Angeles and his little, his little bus watching film the entire time, you know, and, and those are the kinds of things that I think make Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer. Like it's it's obviously the stats help, and I wish he would have gotten a Super Bowl, but you know, it's just the embodiment of playing the quarterback position the right way. You know, playing through a torn ACL, playing through the herniated discs, like Tyler mentioned, and um, I, I I don't think there will ever be another football player or person like Philip Rivers. You know, that will will have the privilege to see at least. No, no. I mean, I, it's, it's just, it's hard to believe it kind of went so fast. Uh, I guess just yeah. you know, now from, you know, when you were young and now he's retired. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of the hard thing about it, but um, no, I mean, the way that I'll always kind of remember him is that uh, last, pr- last press conference he had after the Kansas city game where it's like, you know, he didn't care whether it was fourth and 18, you know, and it might be an interception, but he was going to try to do his best to win. Uh, he, by no means was he the cleanest quarterback or had the most, the most precise, uh, you know, uh, T-Rex throwing motion, but um, he always tried his best, uh, always gave it a hundred percent. And um, that's, that's how I'll remember. I love also how much he just loves the, I mean, he mentioned it too. Like the best part was being a teammate and being with his yeah. teammates there, I mean, there's a his line has sucked for the longest time. So bad. and there and there's a post game press conference where he's like tearing up because he's so proud of his lineman for I think it was Chris Harrison actually for going out there and like battling for him because like someone else was injured that day so he had to like fill in and his guy just going out there to, like his his line has sucked and he's and he's still sitting at the podium so <laughs> thankful for them trying so hard for him yeah. even though they were terrible. Sorry, Chris. Um, so, um, just, it's just really, I don't know. I guess that's like, you see a little bit of like Philip Rivers and Brandon Staley in that way, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a funny comparison. There are people pointing out that Brandon kind of looks like him, I guess. Um, but Staley to me, you shared that, uh, video of his, of, uh, his face on, uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson's body. And I was like, when he, his face popped up today, I just couldn't unsee like the Jack Nicholson <laughs> comparison. <laughs> um, all right, guys, any other thoughts on Philip Rivers or, or Brandon Staley today? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I'm excited for Brandon Staley. 
you know, I'm interested to see uh, who these hires are going to be and what he does, uh, you know, with the front office and free agency and the draft and stuff and guys that can play with the scheme. Um, but for Phil, you know, we love you 17. Yep. I'm excited for the guys of the past and I'm excited for the future Two very different directions. It just feels like the era has split in chargers football here where you have this entire, you know, not just Phillip rivers and not just, not just rivers versus Herbert, but like maybe more old school, maybe kind of just like the Spanos way, the, all this stuff. I feel like the chargers are just starting to leave all that in the dust, mobile quarterback, innovative yeah. offense, you know, giving the coach the control over his staff. So it really is, a huge departure, I think. And I'm really excited to see what happens moving forward. Yeah, that's a good point. It really does feel like they are, are really turning a page in Chargers football, and, and I can't wait to watch it. So uh, if you're watching this video on YouTube, make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons and, and comment something if you, you know, have something specific uh, that stood out to you today about Brandon Staley. Um, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button, and make and that really does help us out. All right, guys, thank you for your time today. Thanks for Brandon Staley doing a two-hour press conference, man, you know, with just a lot of good stuff from there. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll keep you all posted on the coaching hirings and stuff like that, and uh, we will see you next time. Fuck you, Josh McDaniels. <laughs> if you only have a 401K, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.